My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. built is a movement of movements. Our movement needs to be as intersectional as it can get. And there's the moral imperative of that, as Sarah has spoken to, that, you know, the root causes of these issues need to be addressed, like colonialism and capitalism and white supremacy. But there's also the strategic side, which is that if we are going to win, we need the people power to win. That's the voice of Jacqueline Lee Tam. She and Sarah Adams are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. The moments of social movement struggle that make mainstream headlines are just a tiny fraction of what movements actually involve. Even accounts that acknowledge that without a certain amount of work to organize and mobilize, the railway line couldn't be blocked, the picket wouldn't be strong, the tens of thousands wouldn't show up to the demonstration, often fail to capture everything else that goes into making such moments possible. There's a lot to that everything else, but one element of it is a range of kinds of social and physical infrastructure. Infrastructure of dissent, to borrow a phrase from radical sociologist Alan Sears. All movements need it. These days we don't have much of it, and today's interview participants are part of a project that is a particular form of it. Jacqueline Lee Tam and Sarah Adams both became politicized through their involvement in the climate movement, Lee Tam originally in Vancouver and Adams in Ottawa. Both now live in Montreal, where Lee Tam is the director of an organization called the Climate Justice Organizing Hub, or just The Hub, and Adams is its Anglophone coordinator. The Hub operates as a support structure for grassroots organizers, particularly but not only in the climate movement, across so-called Canada. They use training, workshops, coaching, mentorship, peer-to-peer learning, and online tools to build capacity among organizers and to help them work through the roadblocks and problems they encounter in their work. The Hub was founded by Tom Latchis, who has a history of involvement in grassroots activism and organizing, and has worked extensively in the NGO sector. He saw a need in grassroots contexts for the kinds of supports that the Hub now provides, and he was pretty sure that his experience in the world of foundations and funded organizations might allow him to access the resources required to set something up to provide such supports. And he was right. He got some funding, got the Hub going, passed leadership along to younger activists embedded in a range of movement contexts, and that includes Lee Tam and Adams, and moved to an advisory role. In its first year, the Hub worked mostly in French and exclusively in Quebec, and only at that point expanded its focus to English Canada. Its approach is to begin by talking with people already doing grassroots activism and organizing, to find out what questions they have about their work and what barriers and roadblocks they're facing, and to build programming to address those things. The organization launched in 2020, the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, so some of its initial work was responding to things like the transition to online and distanced organizing. But a lot of it has been about the same kinds of things that every generation of activists and organizers has to figure out. How do we structure ourselves? How do we work together? What does it look like to think strategically? How do we deepen and broaden our analysis? How do we navigate conflict? And so on. 
They currently work with about 2,500 organizers from across so-called Canada and are keen to connect with more. A crucial element of the Hub's work is its expansive understanding of the kind of organizing that the climate crisis requires. Not just a narrow focus on emission reduction, but interlocking struggles against white supremacy, colonialism, patriarchy, and exploitation. These oppressions are central to how the climate crisis came to be, and challenging them must be central to addressing it. And it's only through the broad solidarity of a movement of movements that we have a shot at building enough collective power to win. While the climate movement has ebbed somewhat from its pre-COVID heights, Adams is convinced that this is a, quote, time of rebuilding in advance of another great upsurge. She sees a lot of work happening right now in communities across Canada that is about people strengthening their analyses and practices, refocusing on local struggles, and getting ready for the growth that needs to happen. This is true all over, but momentum seems to be building particularly in Quebec, where a growing layer of young people is building towards an unlimited general climate strike among students. I speak with Lee Tam and Adams about the work of the Climate Justice Organizing Hub. My name is Sarah Adams, and I am the Anglophone Coordinator for the Climate Justice Organizing Hub. And I am also a climate activist who is based in Montreal, also known as Jojage. My name is Jacqueline. I am originally from so-called Vancouver, and that is where I had my entry point to social movement spaces, joining pipeline resistance fights when I was a late teenager, which continued on to me getting involved in divestment organizing and mutual aid organizing, and now in a role as director of the Climate Justice Organizing Hub to support grassroots folks across the country. And currently I do reside in Montreal or Geojage. The Climate Justice Organizing Hub is a support structure for grassroots organizers. We do capacity building for activists and organizers across the country. We're a bilingual organization. Folks come to us with their questions and their roadblocks when it comes to organizing, and we help them move through those roadblocks. And this happens through workshops, peer-to-peer -peer learning circles, coaching and mentorship, panels and events, gatherings. We have the Hub Wiki, which is an archive of activist knowledge that is ever-growing. Those are a few ways that we do capacity building and we're constantly experimenting and growing. I've been at the Hub for two years exactly now, and the Hub is two and a half years old. It was founded by Tom Latches, who is still a very close team member and advisor of the Hub. Tom has a long history in activism and organizing and in more recent years consulting in the NGO space and his dream was always to start up a support structure for the grassroots sector that served folks across the country. This hasn't existed before for many reasons, many different roadblocks that make it challenging for grassroots activists to access funding and access the kind of mentorship and know-how to be able to build a support structure for grassroots organizers in Canada. Through his connections and experience in both the grassroots sector and more institutional sectors, Tom was able to secure funding first from the Trottier Family Foundation that is based here in Montreal to start up the hub. And his dream was always to pass it on to young organizers to run. And that's exactly what he did. So he started up the hub, started building a team that is comprised of people who are embedded in movement spaces. The hub started first in Quebec before branching out to the rest of Canada in our second year of existence, but for the first year it was built mostly in French, but exclusively in Quebec, serving organizers here. And this was 2020, so it was just the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And groups had a lot of 
questions during this time. I mean, everyone was destabilized in many ways, but grassroots organizers were struggling to adjust to organizing over Zoom and lacking that in-person social connection that is often really central to organizing spaces and why we come together again and again. So there were lots of questions around specifically adjusting to COVID-19 organizing, but as well, the eternal questions of grassroots organizers, like how do we structure our groups if we're trying to avoid this top-down structure that we see in the rest of the world and trying to create, you know, something that's more horizontal? How do we strategize together? How do we deepen our understandings of anti-oppression? How do we navigate conflict as a group? So as we received these questions, we started building out programming that responded to these most frequently asked questions and did, you know, ad hoc coaching and mentorship with other questions and slowly but surely started to build a really strong basis here in Quebec of a network of organizers that are close with us and constantly come to us with challenges that they need support with and then eventually built out to serve folks across the country. What has the landscape of climate organizing been like in Canada? Both what was it like a few years ago that led the founders of the hub to think, oh, okay, this kind of support structure is what we need to build. And what is it like now? In 2020, when the hub was founded, yeah, like how did funders finally come to realize that the grassroots sector is valuable? <laughs> because historically, it's incredibly undervalued, underrecognized, but basically 2019, which is often seen as the year when climate really came onto the radar globally and people were really like woken up to the emergency that we face. So 2019 being the year of like mass climate strikes all around the world really hit home for a lot of people, including funders, including people in positions of power in institutional spaces that, wow, the grassroots space really can achieve a lot. They have the people power that is necessary to really push the dial on issues and to build up the public pressure necessary to force the hands of politicians. And previously, and still is what is very easily funded, is like research work and policy work, things that are considered safe, things that exist within structures and institutions and organizations that already have relationships with funders, that already know how to do like grant applications and reporting on their funding, and they know how to schmooze and, you know, all of those things. Whereas the grassroots space is the farthest from being able to access funder money. So when the world kind of woke up to the climate crisis and seeing that it was young people, it was largely students, it was just people power that really put climate on the map after so many years of NGOs trying to do this work, they realized that like, okay, there's something here that we need to support. And still it's an uphill battle in terms of making the case, helping funders to realize the importance of grassroots organizing. Oftentimes people think that the win happens when a policy is passed, but if you look at the timeline preceding that win, there's almost always grassroots organizing that put the issue on the map on the first place, that organized power around things to get certain you know, elected officials in office, etc. The gist of what I'm trying to say is that grassroots organizing often precedes the policy wins that make us feel good about climate work. Yeah, taking that longer view of change and seeing where it actually starts, that spark and that build is in the grassroots with folks who are not given the resources, but who figure it out and cobble things together and build power without tons of resources. And then that builds up and that accumulates. And yeah, seeing that as like the start instead of later on in the process. So I'm Anglophone Coordinator of the Hub, so my responsibility includes liaising with, building relationships of trust with climate groups in English Canada. 
And like Jacqueline was saying, 2019 was this incredible year of momentum and this height for the climate movement that was unprecedented. And then we have the onset of the pandemic and other crises intersecting with it as well. So we've got the health crisis, housing crisis, racial justice, climate justice, reckonings all happening at the same time. And then with that, what do we as a movement, you know, groups, individuals, the movement itself, how do we rebuild in the wake of March 2020 and the summer of 2020, all the things that happened that tectonically shifted the landscape? So what we're seeing today in Canada, at least from my vantage point, is a time of rebuilding, of figuring out how to put the bricks back in place and to figure out how we move in this space and how we welcome more people into this space, how we build more solidarity and power together. A big part of that is working on anti-oppression, on reckoning with racial injustice and how essential that is to the fight for climate justice. And then we're also seeing a turn towards local context, local struggles, groups from coast to coast to coast, focusing on campaigns around material conditions close to home. So transit, housing, mutual aid, realizing how important change is in our own communities and with talking to and working with our neighbors. And also like rebuilding capacity, bringing people in. There's just been such a crisis of burnout as well in our movement spaces of not having enough people to shoulder the burdens of, you know, keeping up a internal structure, keeping a strategy or a campaign going, all the amount of labor, both emotional and otherwise, that goes into producing change. So we're seeing a reckoning with that as well. And so figuring out how to bring more people in to create robust and resilient structures that resist turnover and burnout and all the traps that happen, like trying to fight back against the ways in which our relationships and groups can crumble when we don't deal with them, like conflict and all these other things. So really having that sort of reset and that return to basics and to building is the moment we're in right now. Go into more detail about the work of the Hub and the ways that it addresses the various needs and challenges you've just discussed. Groups are in need of support at this moment and always, but especially at this moment of rebuilding. And so that's where we come in. Fundamentally, the Hub is about capacity building and education, of transferring knowledge, of giving folks opportunities to skill up to understand their role within the social movement ecosystem, their strengths as individuals and what they can bring to these spaces that also brings them joy, that also brings them sustenance and that brings them community and that keeps this work sustainable for themselves and for their communities. So at the Hub, we are offering peer-to-peer -peer learning circles, workshops, resources that really fundamentally get down to thinking intentionally about how we make change happen at a structural level, how we design intentionally processes, campaigns, and then also things like how we show up for disability justice in our spaces with access culture, how we show up for racial justice, how we build anti-oppressive systems into our organizing so that we can win and work together and build solidarity in the ways we need to affect change. So we support with structure, so how groups can come together to articulate a structure that works for their grassroots group, strategy, how they identify a need and figure out how to build back a campaign that fights towards making that change happen, working on building anti-oppressive and intersectional strategies and structures and practices into the very DNA of their organizing. 
And then also other things like talking through how we tackle grief, climate grief specifically. We had a really awesome Instagram live over the summer with a community organizer and chaplain talking about how we can individually and then as a collective perform the care necessary to move through big emotions, big feelings, real feelings, real grief about the state of the world, and yet also work through those feelings to connect with others to bring about the change we need. So having also conversations about, yeah, emotional intelligence, care, disability justice, racial justice, all these things of our organizing that need to be in place that we need to be talking about and working through intentionally together in order to be a sustainable group that can affect change. So that's really where the hub comes in is we want to support grassroots groups, move through these big questions, these big visioning and structural conversations with the tools and the knowledge and the history necessary to make sure they are effective. In the context of the broad field of people doing climate work in so-called Canada, what can you say about who you mostly work with? We serve approximately 2,500 organizers across the country. We're in our third year of things at The Hub, so we're quite happy with the number of folks who have heard about The Hub and have wanted to get plugged in to be able to access and benefit from the supports that we offer. And that number is growing really quickly, too. A large part of our network is comprised of young folks, so a lot of them are students, but we also work with groups that are intergenerational or comprised of like middle-aged folks as well and older folks. There are different needs of different demographics and different age groups within the movement. From the conversations that I've had, it seems like when they leave school, sometimes folks have a hard time knowing where to get plugged back in because campus organizing can be a really clear-cut way of getting involved. And those options shift and are minimized a bit when you leave school. One of the things we've seen a need for in community organizing is bridging gaps intergenerationally. And so that's something we as the hub are trying to work more on giving people the tools to work on that and strengthen those bonds between generations. Both in this interview and on your website, you've mentioned that the hub understands the climate crisis as bound together with things like white supremacy, patriarchy, colonialism and exploitation. How do you understand how all of those things are interrelated, and how does that understanding show up in the work that the Hub does? An intersectional and a more nuanced, deeper understanding of the climate crisis, what Jacqueline alluded to earlier, that sort of shift of not just talking about decarbonization and cutting down emissions as the only response to our current moment of crisis, is that that's not enough. That is not actually getting to the structural issues that are creating our moment of crisis of what I've also heard referred to as permacrisis or continual intersecting crisis of economic inequality, racial inequality, oppression against marginalized communities, this sort of thing. And that they are not all separate struggles or separate issues, but they all are coming to head and are all connected to the climate crisis and to creating the climate crisis. And a knowledge of that intersection of all of these crises is essential to realizing that our way out of this is solidarity between movements, solidarity between all of these struggles, between these communities, in realizing, yes, the reality of the connection and that that is also our way out by building power together, by linking these issues and realizing that we need a convergence of struggles, of people, of communities, to come out of this, to build the people power necessary, to take to the streets, to put the pressure, to create alternatives and to fight for them. 
alternatives to the current order. What we need to build is a movement of movements. Our movement needs to be as intersectional as it can get. And there's the moral imperative of that, as Sarah has spoken to, that, you know, the root causes of these issues need to be addressed, like colonialism and capitalism and white supremacy. But there's also the strategic side, which is that if we are going to win, we need the people power to win. And a siloed climate movement that focuses only on emissions reductions or EVs or whatever is not going to have the broad reach that it needs to win. And so necessarily the focus moves away from, say, emissions reductions to being a more complex vision of the world that we want. And how that shows up in our work is intersectionality is the lens through which we operate. It's a constant learning and constantly evolving process, but it's also close to our values. And as such, we really prioritize the relationships that we have with groups that are aligned with us and or wanting to like deepen their understanding of anti-oppression, deepen their understanding of intersectionality and move in that direction of building a movement of movements. What's coming up for the hub and for the climate movement? So for 2023, yeah, we're into the first two years of the hub and really having found our footing after, you know, so much needs assessment work in the first year and then connecting directly with groups. And obviously that's a continual process, but how much of the hub was just fundamentally at its heart working with community organizers and community organizations, grassroots groups, trying to figure out what they needed and then building out programming based on those needs and then continually being responsive to the changing and shifting needs of organizers. And so at this stage in the hub, we are really looking forward to continuing to deepen those relationships always, as well as keep building out programming that is responsive to the changing climate of the climate movement. And so right now, at the heart of a lot of what we're doing in 2023 is building out programming based on our hub wiki page which is, as Jacqueline said before, this ongoing project to archive and create an archive of articles and resources on everything related to climate justice organizing and the intersection of struggles. There we have lots of articles on how to build structure, how to build campaigns, how to be anti-oppressive, how to make our spaces safe and brave for everyone in them. Basically, lots of ways that we want to disseminate knowledge in a different way that isn't like our, you know, peer-to-peer learning circles or workshops. So moving forward, we want to be bringing those offerings, the wiki, to life through various different modes, having short workshops, short videos, things like that, that just bring more people to those pages and those resources so that folks know they're there and that they can dive deep into them. We also want to be continuing to deepen the connective tissue between groups across so-called Canada. So figuring out ways to connect groups who are working on similar things, who need support, who want to learn from other peers in other places. So that is also a big part of what we want to do at the Hub and continue strengthening. What we really see on the horizon now are, like I said before, work at the municipal, the local level, both electorally and outside of the electoral politics in terms of mutual aid, working on campaigns about you know, transit, housing, that sort of thing. And so supporting groups with whatever they're looking at, supporting their needs. 
the other two things on the horizon are divestment. So divesting from fossil fuels, a lot of groups from coast to coast to coast at universities specifically are really working hard on this campaign and on this work to get their universities to divest from their endowments from fossil fuels and pensions and whatnot. And then third, indigenous solidarity and the growing work that needs to be continuously happening in the climate movement to uplift the voices and work of indigenous communities in the fight for climate justice. And so those are sort of the three prongs of support generally, or like things that we're seeing on the ground that are manifesting in the climate movement that we are supporting groups as they move through. Here in Quebec, where the zeitgeist is always strong. We are seeing organizers building up towards an unlimited general strike. This is an interesting one, actually, because it was kind of catalyzed by folks that we work really closely with. Some folks were already Hub team members. There were a couple individuals who took some Hub trainings and then from those trainings decided to kick off this initiative and then became trainers themselves at the Hub. So it's a cool flux of like people being in our community, but also really deeply involved in building up the next big moment here in Quebec. And parallel to that, we've got some hub team members who have launched this cultural initiative called Le Temps de Minute. So the time to organize, the time to fight. And that's a call to action for other students who are considering joining the movement to reduce their course load or drop out of school even to liberate their time for movement work. Obviously, this is not something that everyone can do, but it's a really cool initiative that's collecting testimonies of people who grappled with this idea, people who tried it, people who are doing it. And we have a number of team members who work part-time at the Hub, but conserve a lot of their time as well for organizing. And I was talking to some of our community members in Vancouver about this, and it was interesting to reflect on how something like that is very possible in Quebec or much more possible because of the socioeconomic condition of Quebec compared to other parts of Canada, where you can live a really vibrant and thriving life. You can afford your rent and food and going out with friends and like you can afford the life that you want to live here in Quebec while not necessarily working full time. Obviously, this is not the case for everyone. It's definitely a privilege to be able to do that. But if you look at the costs of living in other places like Vancouver and Toronto, this kind of cultural initiative of like drop out of school to organize like would not land as well because costs of living are so high. Like how are students able to make ends meet if they're not pushing through their degree and getting that done so that they can get a job, etc. So it's an interesting reflection on how a place like Quebec that has a really rich history of social movements also kind of creates the conditions that are ripe for more progress. And in terms of our programming, we've got lots of wiki pages coming up and workshops and events. And we've got a long-term collaboration that we've been doing with Mikana, which is an Indigenous-led organization that does education, I think mostly for settlers, on Indigenous issues. And we've collaborated with them to create a workshop on decolonization for the climate movement, which has been highly requested amongst our community members here in Quebec. So that's coming up in March. But yeah, we've got weekly events and workshops going on, and it's all listed on our website. If you're listening to this and you're a grassroots organizer, you don't even necessarily need to like identify with climate. We support grassroots organizers and progressive movements across the country. Our understanding of climate justice encompasses so many intersections. So if you are an organizer, we would love to hear from you and see if there's anything that we can offer as support or anything that we can build out to support your needs. You have been listening to my interview with Jacqueline Lee Tam and Sarah Adams of the Climate Justice Organizing Hub. To find out more about the organization, go to lehub.ca.
To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.